0: Welcome to our community of growth, healing, and hope found in the resilience of others. Stories from producers to patriots to simply outstanding people. You will find inspiration in it all here on the Cutting Fences Podcast. And I'm your host, Kenny. Welcome back, listeners. It's been a little bit, but it's nice to be back, and I'm excited to be um, back on the mic with Robert Enigle. Um, Rob, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and kind of where your story began and where it's at now.
1: Um, yeah, my name's Rob Enigle. Uh, I'm originally from the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. Um, uh, about 12 years ago, me and my wife moved out to Bozeman, Montana, um, and we. Uh, we moved out to Bozeman, Montana just for like hunting, fishing. I mean, honestly, why would you live in the cold when there's no mountains or rivers around? So, <laughs> um, so we moved out to Bozeman, uh, for kind of outdoor recreation. Um, uh, we had, uh, soon as we got here? My wife got pregnant and we have uh 12 year old twins. Um, so we've been raising them for the last 12 years. Um, mm-hmm. and about nine years ago, um, I got paralyzed in a car crash uh, in the Gallatin Canyon and, so I've been in a wheelchair for the past nine years, and uh, my family, we we train and breed uh, service and therapy golden retrievers. I was more on the side before I got paralyzed, and now after getting paralyzed, it's kind of been our primary business. We recently purchased a, a 12-acre property. It was, it was an organic fig and strawberry farm um, right off Spring Hill, and we are in the process of kind of learning all that stuff right now um, and getting our chemical facilities and everything hooked up, so...
0: Awesome. Well, and it sounds like you guys got busy right away with two twins. I didn't know that. That's,
1: that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, Boy-girl twin. I can't tell you how many people ask me if they're identical. <laughs> <That's> their hearts.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So now you've started really this big adventure of sit skiing. Can you tell a little bit about how that started?
1: Yeah. So... Actually, kind of funny story. So, a a week before I got paralyzed, I used to work at the Verizon store, um, and I was one of their salespeople. And a wheelchair guy came into the store. Um, His name was David Poole. He lives in Bozeman. He's from Townsend. Um, And I was helping him. And one of my friends, who's a big hunter, fisher, um, she's a tomboy girl named Andrea, she came up to Dave and was like, Hey, Dave, you've been hunting and fishing. And I was like, How do you hunt and fish in a wheelchair Um, to this wheelchair guy? And uh, he told me like, we spent like an hour talking and he's telling me like, yeah, I hunt, I fish, I ski, I do all these cool things. I'm like, that's crazy. Um, we made plans to go hunting elk hunting in, in about a week and then exchanged phone numbers at the very end. I'd say, I said, if I was ever in a wheelchair, I'd rock it just like you. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, me and my buddy were going bird hunting in the, right before, in the, the, the Gallatin Canyon. And he rolled the car. I woke up him, to him, swerving the car right before the, uh, the bridge, before you get in there. And uh I got life lighted to the Bozeman Deaconess. I ended up giving Dave a call like a day after, and he's like, Hey, you want to go hunting? And I'm like, No, man, I was actually paralyzed in a car crash in the Gallatin Canyon. So he came wow. in, gave me kind of the whole crash course, uh being disabled, you know, the stuff that's gonna suck and the stuff that's pretty cool. Um and uh I got into uh sit skiing almost immediately with him. Um and, uh, I think three months after getting paralyzed, we were up at big sky on um, the second day. We were up in, um, uh, up in the bowl and the black diamonds, which is pretty sweet. Um, getting mm-hmm. to skiing before I got paralyzed, I was a snowboarder. I've never actually skied before. Um, so I got into skiing pretty hard. Um, and then a few years ago, about three years ago, I got invited to, um, uh, helicopter ski camp up in Alaska. Uh, with some uh, X-Game people and some uh, former Paralympians, um, actually all kind of the main team, like Andrew Kirka, Tyler Walker, a lot of the big names in the disabled Zitski ski community. Um, they all convinced me to get into racing and wear spandex and fly down a mountain um, <laughs> instead of doing my free skiing stuff. Um, and I still do both of that. Um, I'm an ambassador for Big Sky Resorts and Mountain Collective Pass and some other companies that I kind of do some ski projects with. Um, but I got into ski racing, um, and I've been, you know, with being, you know, a, a business owner and having kids and a wife and all that stuff, I'm not really conventional with the U S ski team. Um, I kind of just show up to races, um, with a beer in hand and have a lot of fun <laughs> with it. Um, and, uh, two years ago I made the long list for the Paralympics in Beijing. Um, last year, um, we built out a Ford transit van to like a, a disabled camper, Ski Mobile, and I've actually been using that for about two years now, um, and I spent about three months away from home over the course of the entire winter. Um, I trained at a Winter Park, uh, which is a great organization called NSCD, which is National Ability Center, um, um, sorry, National, National Sports Center for the Disabled. NAC is actually from Park City, Utah. They're a great organization, too. Trained down there, and then we ended up going to Norway for the World Championships, um, and then we went to Sweden for a World Cup. And then the uh, final race was before the games for the qualifier, basically, um, to make sure you're on the team, was Park City, Utah. I did good enough to make the team. And then I went to Beijing for the games, which is super cool. Spent about two and a half weeks there. Just a really cool experience. And then following the games, we went to the, you know, went to D.C., met the president. Um, actually, really really the coolest part about it was it was the first time they had Team USA week that was um, you know, the winter and summer games. So all the summer and winter Olympians and Paralympians were there. So I got to meet people like Chloe Kim and a bunch of the other, you know, big names in in the Olympic and Paralympic committees or teams. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so my ski race, but I also do a lot of big mountain pre skiing, I would say, and like I film projects I like doing. So.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Um, what a blessing it was turned out to be to know that guy. What did you say? His name was Dave.
1: Cool. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a great guy in this area. He works uh, for Dis- uh, Ability Montana, um, which okay. used to be um, um it used to be I forget what they they just changed your name, but um really good good organization that helps people kind of get it out and figure out life after disability.
0: Wow, amazing. Well, and it sounds like you jumped right into it. You said three months after you were skiing. Yep. Wow. Yep. And second day black diamonds. Yeah. It was pretty That's pretty cool. badass. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I definitely have one of those people that it's, um, uh, the pity party stuff is always interesting with the disabled stuff. And it's, it's hard, hard saying that, but, um, I feel like a lot of people go one or two directions when they get freshly disabled, I guess. And it's someone that Craig, I went down to Craig hospital, um, uh, you know, following my injury and, Um, I met some people down there and they said, you know, whoever you were before your injury kind of gets amplified. So if you were someone who looked at the glasses, always half empty, um, you kind of go deeper into that hole a lot of times. And then the people who are like, well, there is still positives. I mean, I had Dave kind of give me all these really cool things, you know, that disabled people could do, because honestly, a week before I got paralyzed, I didn't really have a clue that wheelchair people could do all these cool things. So I got to skip a lot of the depression stuff and a lot of the, uh, frustration stuff. And when you go to Craig hospital, I'm, I'm a low level injury. So I'm a spinal cord injury. Um, I'm L1, T12, basically in the rollover, my L1 vertebrae burst into four pieces. Um, and just got kind of squashed. We, um, when you go down to Craig hospital and you're a low level, um, I'm also incomplete. So parts of my legs kind of work. I typically in the wheelchair 99% of the time, but I can crutch walk more like swing, swing walking with arm forearm crutches. But when you're a low level injury at Craig Hospital, you know, there's, you know, full, complete injuries, there's quadriplegics, there's lots of brain injury stuff. So when you're at the lowest level, you're like, well, at least I'm not as bad as the, uh, you know, you know, some of the other people. So you don't really think of yourself as disabled when you're um, um as low level as me. When you get thrown into a humongous group of people that are typically worse off than you,
0: mm-hmm. disability
1: wise.
0: Yeah. Almost everybody that I've had on my podcast, um, who has had a spinal cord injury has gone to Craig and almost every single one of them has said the same words as you is that, um, it really put it into perspective for them of, you know, I am lucky to be where I'm at at least and, and not, um, where that individual on those more, um, complex injury floors are at. So, so it's a very common theme and, and Craig is an extraordinary place. I have not visited yet, but I want to, but I've, I've come to know their successes very well through my podcast and the stories of individuals, just like you have come out of there ready to live life and to take, take it all on. So um, yeah, I always give kudos to Craig because it's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, Craig Hospital is a really cool location. I mean, I think the biggest selling point to Craig is um, the administrative side has some obviously work everywhere, everywhere does, but the, the community side, like when you get thrown into like a wheelchair class with, you know, 10 other people, you kind of all go, well, I get thrown all in this situation together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one's, you know, if you're stuck at a hospital somewhere in Ohio somewhere and you're the only spinal cord injury and you don't know any other disabled people, it's really hard to... Um, to, to get out and actually really realize how cool life can be. Uh, and I think Bozeman, Montana, even though we're a smaller community and, you know, we're not as big as, you know, Park City, Utah or Denver, Colorado, um, or some places in like Florida that have humongous disabled communities. Um, we, the wheelchair people that would disabled the people that we do have get along really well. And I feel like we all kind of push, kind of the limits of what disabled people can do and um actually every thursday nights we do um trivia nights at um the bunkhouse we have a whole wheelchair group that kind of comes and kind of um makes new disabled people or people who are out of the area kind of feel welcome and there is actually a new guy from um from oregon that just moved here and he's like i've been paralyzed for 10 years or something like that and he's like we don't we have nothing like this you know in in the portland area and i'm like that's that's crazy i mean there's probably a thousand percent more um disabled people in portland but the we, we kind of, but to kind of get out and enjoy life, I guess, out here more.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. That's really amazing. That was part of kind of what I wanted to build around this podcast too, is to be able to connect people throughout the state, um, who might be able to empathize a little bit more with one another. Like you mentioned that Craig does and you guys do in Bozeman. So what, what is one of your favorite ski hills to ski?
1: so i am partial to big sky i mean mm-hmm. i really love bridger bowl as well um bridger bowl is a great local community it's closer to bozeman um but big sky as a sit skier just the fact that you can get to the tip top of the mountain you know a lot of resorts that i go and ski at you know, i ski out of you know aspen vale park city a bunch of resorts and you know when you go to aspen highlands you look at the mountain, you see the really cool shoots off in the distance, and you're like, you can ski them, but like, how do you get there? You have to hike, mm-hmm. you know, a super far distance to get to get to get to these locations and I, and I actually do like doing some disabled mountaineering um like I actually did a, a, a mountaineering project this year where we crawled across the A to Z chutes it was about what, 400 foot, or four football fields length on the spine of a mountain uh, I was on belay and stuff but the tricky thing with most resorts is you have to hike and honestly I did that hike this year but it was cool but it was exhausting and it's something yeah. you would want to do on a regular basis maybe one once a year maybe kind of thing um, and even at that you're risking, you know, skin sores and butt issues and, you know, frostbite and all that stuff to do that stuff. So Big Sky has a tram that brings it to the tip top. They are rebuilding the tram this year, so hopefully it's going to be a little more accessible. Um, it used to be kind of, you know, pull some people out of the chair, out of the line, and drag you up the back stairs. But I mean, it's kind of the cost of doing business. You got to kind of learn how to adapt in Montana. I'm definitely a firm believer that, you know, the world should try to help with adapting this stuff, but there's also a point that you have to have personal responsibility to be able to, if there isn't a ramp somewhere, you got to figure out how to get up or down it, you know, and not be frustrated because. Um, you are the one that has a disability, and you have to learn how to adapt a little bit. So, um, but Big Sky is my favorite resort um, right now. I really like Vale as well. Vale has a great, you know, grade to it. It's a you know a relatively steep mountain, but it's not crazy steep, but it's not cr- crazy flat anywhere. So, but kind of a fun, fun community down there. So, but Big Sky's tram is the winner for me.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Let's talk more about the A to Z adventure.
1: So I'm connected with the Big Sky's media team. And I usually do a couple projects here and there uh, with them, which I really like. So, Big sky is known for their the lone peak in the tram, but when you're when you get on the tram at the very bottom of the base and you look to the to the left of it, there's all these crazy shoots. There's probably like fifty different chutes and they look so cool. And I've been looking at them for you know years. And after getting paralyzed, they've been pretty much out, out of the question because it's it's literally a ridge and there's about a fifteen hundred to two thousand foot drop off the right side, which goes over to the headwater side. And then the left side is all your A to Z shoots. Uh, they're tight you know bony little shoots all over the place um so i've wanted to try to hike out to uh, a run called parachute which is kind of about towards the end of the a to z stuff i mean you can go farther if you want to but um so we had a group of people some good friends sam Moraz, levi a couple other guys came out um, um henry hogan and steep motion works they all kind of made a plan we got a you know a game plan together we we put me on belay. We basically pushed me up from the challenger lift all the way up to the ridge. Um, and then on the ridge, we jumped out of my model ski on, I basically butt crawled about four, three to four football fields, um, kind of on a ridge on about 11 foot, 11 inch, 11 to 15 inch uh, wide boot path, um, right on the ridge of a mountain. So we kind of went up and down and it's on big Sky's website. I think the video is called a life live unlimited, which is kind of a inspiration porn title, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I it, it was a really cool project. It shows um, you know, what you can do. And I would say a lot of my big film or pro- not big film, the, the projects that I like doing, I like kind of do hopefully doing for someone that sees that video what David Poole did for me when I first got paralyzed. Like I feel like part of my responsibility is I have that really great experience being being able to meet someone who was able to do a lot of really cool stuff as, in a wheelchair where If hopeful not hopefully, but sooner or later, someone who sees one of my film projects is going to get paralyzed or is going to get injured. And hopefully they realize that with seeing the more prominent people in the disabled community, like a guy named Jay Raw and Trevor Kennison, who did Corbett's um, and some of my mountaineering projects. Hopefully those people see those things before they get paralyzed. And when they do get injured, they don't get stuck in the deep depression hole that a lot of people get stuck in.
0: Wow. Well, I did share it yesterday as a little teaser for the episode. So if anyone listening hasn't gone and watched that, I really would. It's uh, it's an amazing, amazing video and it really is inspiring. I've watched it several times and I I just find myself really thinking that there's no excuse. Like there's no... There's no excuses to not go do the hard things and challenge yourself. And then on your buddy's side of it, there's no excuse not to not to be kind and not to pick people up and help them chase their dreams too. So, it, it's a very very powerful video. So, so do you do? do are you still in the hunting world as well? Yeah, fishing. So,
1: um, well, as as of right now, my son is in the hunting world. We, we find <laughs> out he's at the age now where he can do the junior hunts and stuff like that. So. Um, we've been crazy busy the last couple of years. I mean, two years ago, last year's winter, I guess two, year, two winters ago was, you know, the game. So I was pretty much busy that whole winter and before that getting ready for stuff. And then this winter, we basically purchased this property out here off Spring Hill and it's been just a bit, um, a bit crazy, uh, trying to figure everything out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so hunting, yeah. So basically I've been bringing my, my son out, uh, hunting a bunch, uh, kind of, we've been doing the youth hunt getting him a deer, uh, and then probably pretty much heading back just to be at some of other things on the list. But my son's been, son's been able to shoot two deer in the last two years. So it's been going good. Um, I'd like to get back out there more and do some, be able to just prep and be ready for the season. I always feel like I'm a whole season behind, um, when it comes to prepping for stuff. So, <laughs> but That's yeah, funny. like bird hunting, duck hunting, deer, elk, all that stuff.
0: Very nice. So, um, what does because I t- what I do is talk a lot about adaptive equipment um, on this podcast as well, and some of the setups that people have just so that people know what's out there. Like you say, a lot of people don't even know some of the things that are out there that are possible. What does your adaptive equipment setup look like?
1: So, well, my adaptive stuff, uh, so. Obviously my wheelchair is kind of my day-to-day ever get around all that stuff thing. Um, I don't use big snubby tires or anything like that. I just use this thin, you know, marathon plus tires. I, I think my wheelchair, my um, my ATV, my Razor I have. So I have a, a 50 inch wide Razor 900 trail. So basically it's basically just a UTV and I use that thing more than probably anything to get out in the mountains and woods just because it's so much less energy than, you know, like I, when i go in the woods i'm out there to see to see and see stuff and do stuff um i don't really need the additional exercise i i rather get way deep into the woods where i where there's no chance i could have got out there with a the hand cycle and stuff but yeah. so i have hand controls on that razor i have it converted to a four seat so you can fit you know two you know under 16 year old people in the back if you wanted to and we go explore the tobacco range a bunch in that we you know Logan Pass and um, bear tooth, not bear tooth, but, um, you know, a little bear around Bozeman and stuff, but, and then we, you know, hunt near white sulfur Springs and kind of go with that quite a bit. Um, I do have an adaptive read adaptation, um, nuke, um, which is E assist. And that thing's pretty fun. Um, I go a lot of, a lot of family hikes with that. Um, I do a lot of kind of fishing from that. I've tried hunting out of it, but the the tires just kind of get, um they get too full of mud mm-hmm. in order to do it in, in, during hunting so and then my vehicles i have three vehicles i have a minivan that just has hand controls in it and i take the rear the rear uh, seat out of the driver's seat of that vehicle i swear to god every single person who's in a wheelchair you need to get a minivan i argue with so many people about this everyone needs <laughs> thinks they need to get a truck or a, a, a cool sports car it's like the minivan is the life for disabled people it's so much easier that's probably my primary vehicle I drive. Um, and then I do have a truck with a lift and everything in there. It takes a lot longer to get in and out, but it's nice, obviously, for the ranch stuff and, you know, hunting and stuff. And then we do have a, a Ford Transit, uh, higher if extended long, the biggest one you can get. Um, and I use that pretty much as our family camper. 50% daily driver vehicle. Um, we do I, I I pretty much live out of that van during the winter. I'll go down to Big Sky and ski for two or three days and then come back. It's got a heater and stuff in there. We've built it all, all ourselves, and we're in the process of doing the final rebuild on it, which is we put a, a happy jack bed lift system in it. So it's the same thing you'll see in the back of toy haulers. Um, so there's a bunk bed that actually stores on the ceiling so I can wheel from the front to the back of it. There's a flip down, flip up bench in there, but so that's, and, and we're in the process of, you know, it's, the, you know, getting air conditioning and stoves and stuff put in and water systems and stuff. but. Um, That kind of all got put on a back burner when we found this property this last fall. Those are pretty much most of my accessible stuff. I'm trying to think about anything else. Um, I really want to get one of those new Bowhead um, downhill bikes. They look really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, They're from a company in Canada. So, But but yeah, so I I would say the Razor is my number one piece of adaptive equipment that I use.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's so... uh it's so much fun to just hear all the different setups and, and people get so creative with it too. the people that adapt some of this stuff. It's really neat. Um, it's very innovative. And so I always like to put that piece in. Cause like I said, a lot, of, there's so much out there that it's hard to even know what all the possibilities are.
1: And you see that a lot of your adaptive equipment is usually made or improved by disabled people. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually one of my hopes or dreams is to to um, I want to, I basically purchased a CNC plasma table. I'm converting a mill to CNC. So I like building and fabricating stuff and I have a bunch of welders and stuff. So I want to make my own adaptive equipment in the future, just because when you look at certain pieces of equipment, you can tell that someone with legs made it, um, where some of the best disabled equipment is made by other disabled people.
0: Mm -hmm. Usually it is. I'm excited to see your stuff someday. It'll be awesome. (laughs) Um, well, I just want to thank you for coming on. I usually close out my podcast by asking my guests to share a little piece of advice for somebody who might be in a similar situation as you or who might just be struggling a little bit with life. Um so if you want to share a little piece of advice, that would be great.
1: I would say, you know, the big thing for me, I got lucky early on finding someone that was, you know, doing crazy awesome outdoor adventure stuff. Right before I got paralyzed. So I got to skip a lot of the frustrating part of being disabled. And I feel like trying to find communities or or, or groups of people that, you know, are like minded in the disabled community, you know, just going out and reaching out because, you know, some people in the disabled community, people think that or disabled community thinks that we have a big disadvantage, but. In my eyes, I think we have a huge advantage because there's if you if you just look out there, there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of uh, programs and adaptive equipment and foundations and grants that are available um and, and communities that you know will help you out and make your life a lot more fun. So um mm-hmm. go out and kind of find those people if you can. Once you do, you pretty much won't 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 go back.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> we look forward to continuing to follow your story and cheer you on in the Paralympics in the future and hopefully in the future have some of your adaptive equipment, even in our loan closet. So, uh, right. I just, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been uh, so much fun to meet you and hear a little bit about your story. Thank you for having me. We want to give a special thank you to our 2023 sponsors. Our prime sponsors include Joyce Feel and feeds and Helena Edgar enterprises. Our choice sponsors this year are Wilbur Ellis Montana Grain Growers and Stockman Bank. Thank you all so much. We couldn't do this without you.